Welcome to episode 108 of the Clarity Compressed podcast. My name is Paul J. Daly. I will be your host. And today we're talking about how you convince unconvincible people. We're making our way through the fog of life and clarity is understanding where we are on the map. You are here. <laughs> Let the good times roll. This is Clarity Compressed. So the moment of clarity for this week is that whenever you blame somebody, you actually are taking a step further from the solution because when you blame, you aren't willing to even stop for a second and consider the role that you had to play. You aren't even stopping to consider the whole situation. Actually, when you're blaming, you're in defense mode. So the second blaming comes out of your mouth, no. I hope it triggers in your mind that you've just moved one step further away from resolving the problem, one step further away from the solution. So stop blaming, start thinking. That's the moment of clarity for today. I'm so excited for what he's gonna show me. Hurry up and show me Paul's pick. Okay, my pick for this week is birthday cards given to you by someone who really understands you and use them the kind of position for something else. It was my birthday this last week and I got a card from my 13 year old son. And for those of you who can't see it, I'm holding it up right now. It basically in the front is a graph of occupations and it has a firefighter for $44,000 a year, electrician 52,000, a teacher 55, financial planner, lawyer, doctor is $189,000 a year. And then at the bottom, there's a really big bar, sparkly bar on the bar graph that says YouTube video gamer, 500,000 a month. And when you open the card up, the inside of the card says, if you wanted a better birthday gift, dad, Maybe you should have rethought this screen time limits thing. But hey, thanks for looking out for me. I think that a well-placed birthday card is just something that I've always appreciated and enjoyed. And apparently my son, it feels the same way. And he gave me this card this week. So give somebody a card, think it out, and uh, make them laugh. That's my pick for this week. All right, so... This week's episode really was spurred on by a conversation I had with Gary Vaynerchuk. Uh, We're sitting next to one another and I asked him a question about how you convince, how I should convince people that don't agree or understand the brand first approach. And let's just roll the clip so you can see it. What what I would tell you, because I know enough about you, and this is just good advice for everybody, stop selling unsellable people. Mm -hmm. You know I believe in that Mm -hmm. I have no interest in convincing anybody in this room about everything I just said. I could give a (laughs) There's a lot of tier three auto. Yeah. Just move on to the next one. So I asked him a pretty clear question. How do you convince them? And he said, just don't try to convince unconvincible people. Just don't do it. And it makes like, you know, it's one of those things where it makes complete sense the moment somebody else says it. Like, yeah, why am I trying to convince unconvincible people? That seems like a really big waste of time and energy and emotional energy. And really, that kind of spurred on what turned into the reasoning for writing a book. And if you didn't know, I wrote a book called The Automotive Manifesto that was really geared towards separating the people who 
believed in the message of a brand first approach and a human approach to marketing and conversation and sales and internal company culture, separating the people who believed in those things from the people who don't believe in those things. And in the auto industry, I'm saying like, look, I think maybe 10% actually, it's probably more like 5% of people actually believe it. So I wrote a book to do just that. So then that I would stop wasting all that time trying to decide who's convincible, who isn't. And I'm going to talk about that a little bit more in the future too. And I then, after I wrote the book, had this conversation with Gary, wrote the book, and then I've spent the better part of a year going out there, meeting people, talking to people, getting clients, talking to potential clients. And I realized it's still not as simple as I thought, because I still find myself trying to convince unconvincible people. I don't know if it's my personality type where I just really want the best for everyone. And I believe this is the truth. So it's hard for me to let go. And I always kind of, I'm the kind of person that sees the good things in people and have a tendency to overlook a lot of negative things and give them the benefit of the doubt over and over and over. It's my personality. But at the same time, um, I find myself frustrated because not only are they not convincible, but this is something that I think everybody can get a takeaway from. There are a lot of people that act convincible and they nod their heads and they say they believe it or they want to believe it and they don't actually. And you don't find that out until later. And if you're listening right now, the thing is that I'm talking about an element of sales, but don't check out yet because most of life and most of relationship stick with me for a second, don't get offended, is actually sales. I'm talking about not just products and services and business, but I'm also talking about relationships. I'm talking about parenting. I'm talking about being a member of a community. And when I say sales, I think sales gets a bad rap because people think of sales and they think, oh, it's it's uh, slimy or swarmy or trying to convince me to do something I don't want to do. But actually, it's really human negotiation. And what I say, what I mean when I say that is like the maneuvering that happens, the give and take that happens in a relationship, uh, the give and take that happens as people try to do things as a group together. It really is trying to convince people that this is a good thing because, you know, you think it's a good thing. Now, when you start to get deceptive and sales practices that are deceptive and they're intentionally misleading and you're giving and selling and convincing people of things that aren't good for them and you know it, uh, that's garbage. And if you're doing that, stop it, first of all. Second of all, you're probably not watching any of my content, but stop it. So sales isn't just products and services. Let me give you some examples. Like write down the relationships. Will you marry me has a lot of things and a lot of convincing and a lot of sales that has to happen before you get to that point. You have to show that person the benefits of being in a relationship with you, that you care about them, that you understand them, that you know them. And that's all part of the process. Now, if that person is unconvincible because they don't um, they don't like tall people, and you're tall, you can try to convince them that they like tall people, but if they don't, then they don't. And the sooner you find that out, the better it is for both of you. Um, life with kids. Anybody who has kids understands that you need to sell kids all the time. Now, you're a parent, so maybe you're thinking like, all right, well, I'm the parent. I tell you what's right and what's wrong. I tell you what you're going to do because you're a child, you're in my house, you will listen to me. If that's your mode of parenting, it's not gonna work out so well for you in the long run. 
I'm not saying that sometimes you don't have to do that because you do. But I am saying if that's your only tool to parent, man, your kids are going to run from you faster than you can imagine. And if they're really smart, they're going to pretend that they can't. They're not going to run from you. But as soon as they're able, they're gone and you're going to be blindsided. Talk about selling kids in your parenting. So brushing your teeth. You can mandate toothbrushing every night or you can convince the kids and tell them and teach them why brushing their teeth is good for them so that then they want to do it. And you've just sold them on the concept that brushing their teeth is good for their health and good for the fact that they won't have to get cavities and they can be responsible. So maybe they can eat sugar. And if they brush their teeth, they don't get cavities and get to keep their teeth in their mouth and all that stuff. Let me give you an example, real world example from my family. A lot of times when you have a new baby, you have a child, especially a young child, two, three, four years old, and you have another baby coming in. All my kids are two and a half years apart. So, you know, when Miles was two and a half is when we got pregnant with Brooklyn. When Brooklyn was two and a half, we got pregnant with Elise. We're really consistent. If you know me, you're like, yeah, I bet you did plan that out. I did. Um, it's amazing. You can control these things well, to a certain extent. And so when the next baby was coming, instead of the jealousy that can sometimes come up as the new baby gets the attention, well you have to sell and convince your existing child that this is good for them and explain to them why. And sometimes it's a little bit of a sales process. So for the Daly family, what we would do is tell the the two and a half year old, mommy's going to have a baby. And guess what? It's your baby too. It's your baby. And then they like kind of like, right? oh, it's my baby. Yes. So when the new baby comes, do you think they're more excited? Do you think they feel defensive? No, their baby just showed up. And now it's their baby and they have some ownership and possession. You've sold them on the concept of why they should accept the baby. So going back to the convincing unconvincible people, if you were going to compel somebody to buy what you're selling, well, they first have to be convincible. And if they're not, then you are wasting your time. You're wasting their time. And at some point, they're just going to say no and walk away. And you're going to be the one that's frustrated. And so I think a lot of us waste time trying to convince people that just aren't convincible. And the real value is identifying this out of the gate. If you can identify out of the gate who's convincible and who isn't, then you're just not wasting any time and energy and you can move forward and find the others that believe what you believe. So we got to that point. Here's the question. How do you do that? Because if we knew how to do that, then we would not find ourselves in that position anymore. So I'm going to share with you the things that I'm thinking about and doing, the things that I've learned over the last year that were spurred on by that clip in the beginning when Gary was like, Wait, what I would tell you, because I know enough about you, and this is just good advice for everybody, stop selling unsellable people. Mm-hmm. You know I believe in that. Mm-hmm. I have no interest in convincing anybody in this room about everything I just said. Yes, okay, we're going to listen to that. We're going to write a book. We're going to apply it over the course of the year. And here is my best effort in helping you avoid some of the things that I got into and working with me because I'm still trying to do it because it just happened to me just a a couple of months ago. I was working with somebody. Things were going well. They said they believed. They thought they believed. We worked it a little work together. And then all of a sudden they disappeared and I got ghosted. And I realized, you know what? They were unconvincible. And I was fooled into thinking they really believed it and 
convince me of, well, they, they made me think that they were convincible and they believed it. Their words said they did, but they actually did it. So here is, uh, here is what I would suggest to help you know, is this person unconvincible or are they convincible and I should keep, I, should I keep trying? Well, first of all, the very first step, the thing that's going to help you more than anything else, help you separate the people who are believers from the non-believers, convincible from the non-convincible, you have to let them know first, very, very clearly what it is that you believe. Because if it's very clear what you believe, what you're selling, a very clear what approach you're taking, well, then that's already going to separate a massive chunk, probably the largest chunk of unconvincible people that's going to get them right out of your ecosystem. That's the reason it's the reason I wrote this book, The Automotive Manifesto. When I wrote this, I said, you know what? My goal in writing this book is I want to alienate as many people in the auto industry as possible by writing this clearly and directly what I believe, why I believe it. Good. If I can, if I think there's 10% of convincible people out there, I hope that writing this book of the 100% that are out there, 100% of all dealers that are out there, I want 70% of them to go away immediately when they read this. Like, oh, that guy doesn't know what he's talking about. He's optimistic. He's idealistic, whatever. Thank you for reading it and moving on. You've just saved us both a lot of heartache. Now, of the 30% that are remaining, I still have to figure out who are the 10% that actually believe it and who are the who are the imposter 20% that either think they're convincible or they actually want you to think they're convincible because it makes them look better. So number one, you have to make yourself very clear. You don't have to write a book, but whether it's in your social content and in how you pitch and what you say when you're in person, make it clear what you believe right away. That's going to siphon out the largest contingent of the unconvincible people. Number two, this is trickier. You have to get to the truth of what they actually believe. Tricky because people will not always tell you. It's complicated. It's masked. People do things out of insecurity. Uh, they do things out of um, trying to be polite or trying to you know navigate the social environment because of the other people that might be around at the time. So a lot of people I've found will nod their heads and tell you they agree with you because it makes them look better. If you come out and you say something that is like, wow, that's really innovative. That's really cool. You have a good vibe. Here's how it works out for me. Oh, well, this guy is really um, being listened to in the industry. He looks different. He's got a beard and a hat. He wrote a book that people are reading, right? So yes. Oh yeah, I believe in that. I believe in that. Why? Because as a hand raiser now, I look like I'm innovative. I haven't done anything yet, but it makes me look good to agree with you. That's number one. So they actually could say they believe with you. So then we have to take a deeper look under beyond what they say and look at what they do or the results of what they've done. So I'll give you a couple examples. If someone says they're innovative, oh, we're innovative. Our business is all about innovation. Innovation is such a center point. It's one of our values. And then you look into their business and you realize like all their tech is super outdated because they're cheap. Guess what? They're not innovative when it comes to tech. They're just not because they say it. But when it comes to practicing what they preach and prioritizing being innovative, they're not. They're doing the same thing they've been doing for the last 15 years. Said they're innovative because it's cool and sexy to say you're innovative. You look at what they're doing, you're like, oh, you know what? You're not innovative. 
Another example, let's go company culture. There are a lot of people, a lot of leaders, a lot of CEOs, a lot of owners, a lot of managers saying like, we believe in a strong company culture and really supporting your people. And yes, of course we believe in that. That's really the center point. Our business is really our people. They say all these things because it looks good to say all these things. It feels good to say all these things. And you might even have a group of leaders, the C-suite, the managers, the directors, whatever, agreeing, saying it, saying it with conviction. But if you look beyond that and you look at the team and you pay attention to body language and the vibe and everyone seems kind of downcast and there's no laughter going on anywhere and you realize that people are kind of a little disgruntled across the organization and the owner either doesn't know or isn't willing to acknowledge it, guess what? They don't believe in a strong company culture. They just, is good for them to say they do. It makes them feel better to say that they do. So number one, back to the beginning, how do you identify the unconvincible? Number one, you have to make it really clear what you believe. That that separates a big chunk right there. Number two, you have to get to the bottom and find out what they actually believe. And you have to look at the indicators, not just what they say. You have to look at the indicators. Number three, you need to get that person to a decision point that proves their real beliefs. And sooner then later, again, because it's an element of time. So typically, in business anyway, this has to do with asking for money. Because if a business believes in something, they will put money behind it. Budget is really just an indicator of belief when it comes to business. You're innovative, great. Follow the dollar. Then here's something you can do to innovate. You believe what I'm saying, right? You think it's a good approach? Yes, great. Let's do it. Here's how much it costs. And if they go, whoa, I don't want to spend any money on it. That's an indicator of the depth of their belief or what they actually believe or what they don't believe. Um, in relationship, this works too, right? Will you go out with me is a proving ground to say, do you actually believe that we would be good together? Uh, uh, uh. Kids, brush your teeth. See what the reaction is. Do they believe it or not? So the three things. How do you understand and identify who's convincible, who isn't convincible? Number one, you have to make it really clear what you believe. This is something completely in your control. You have to put it out there. You have to be consistent about it, and you have to be concise about it. That takes a little work to hone the message, but once you do, you got it. Number two, the people that after you say you know what you believe and why, you're going to get still 30% of the people are like, yes, we're convincible that this is the way we believe it. And I think only probably a third of those people actually are because a lot of times it's good for them to say they do, but they actually don't. And you figure this out by looking at what they're actually doing in their organizations and seeing if the indicators are there that this is what they believe or if they're just full of it because it's good for them to say it. And I'm not, I'm a little too aggressive there. Sometimes people say that they're convincible and they, because it makes them feel good and that's based in insecurity and that's based in um, what they think would be good. And it's kind of almost automatic. So maybe they don't even realize they're unconvincible. So you look at the indicators in the organization. Um, and thirdly, get that person to a decision point as soon as possible in business that usually involves spending money. Look, getting there fast Learning to not try so hard to convince unconvincible people is really good for everyone. It's good for you because you're not frustrated, you're not spinning your wheels, and you can spend time with the people who are convincible 
And even for the person who's unconvincible too, you're just wasting their time. You're doing them a favor by getting through this fast, identifying them as unconvincible fast, and then parting ways as friends, right? You can still be friends. Why not? So I'm not saying my way and what I just said is the best way, but I am saying, I'm not saying it's the only way or it's the best way, but I'm saying that's what I believe is the way that's going to bring the most success to you. I believe it's the way um, that is going to move you forward in business and relationships, fill in the blank. And so that's it. That's my secret to convincing unconvincible people. And I hope that throughout your day. And as you go, you're probably going through situations right now that, that you're reminded of. You're like, oh my gosh, I wasted so much time trying to convince that person. And they just didn't believe it anyway. So hopefully going through these things, you're going to find a little more success, um, free up some of your time to really work with the others that believe in the same things. And that makes things more meaningful. The clarity in that moment, understanding where you are on the map with that person is a game changer when it comes to your time and finding the people that you're actually going to have great synergy and build great momentum with, and you can move on and help each other grow and grow the business and help other influence other people's lives and move the ball forward. Thanks for listening to the podcast. As usual, I have a bunch of stuff coming up. Really awesome piece of news to announce is that Donald Miller, New York Times bestselling author, uh, several times over, um, the creator of the Story Brand Framework, and now Business Made Simple University, has agreed to be on this very podcast. At the end of April, I will be flying out to Nashville to record the podcast live. So I'm excited to bring you his insight because he's amazing. If you don't know who he is, oh my gosh, you're in for a treat. He's had a huge impact on my life um, as a marketer, my life as a business person. And, you know, I'll even say my life as a person, very inspirational person, has done a lot of great things and is doing a lot of great things for uh for business and personal growth. So he's going to be on the podcast. Uh, conference season fired up, uh, is firing up. i am got some speaking coming up. Um, I'll be at the Digital Dealer Convention Orlando, in Orlando, April uh, 6th through 8th. Uh, not too long after that, I'll be at the Driving Sales Presidents Club event in Fort Lauderdale from April 27th to April 28th. Um, I'll be at the Digital uh, Marketing Strategies Conference in Napa in May. And i um, working on a cool workshop that we're going to host in Syracuse in September and uh, another cool conference I'm going to be speaking at that uh, I'm going to be announcing soon, going to be talking about soon. Gary Vaynerchuk's going to be there. It's going to be amazing. So um, yeah, a lot going on. Thanks again for listening. I hope you're getting value from this. I hope you're getting the emails, reading the emails. I'm considering launching another episode of the podcast every week, a shorter version, maybe like three to five minutes, maybe a burst on Thursday, Friday, um, just to give like kind of like a moment of clarity hot take, just so you have something on your podcast list, something in your inbox that could give you a little shot of clarity, a little shot of motivation um, so we can all keep on this grind together. It's good to be together. It's good to be with you. It's good to have a podcast. It's good to share it with you. I hope you have an amazing week as you pursue clarity. Yeah.